I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my home studio recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How you doing this week? Oh, I'm doing great. I feel like this part is always the part where I say stuff that nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> but It's a great way to start a show, actually, right. to it's really like bring people in. Come in with all the information that everyone is like, we mm-hmm. don't need this. I mean, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, knows yeah. the journey I've been on because I injured my back last, or, I don't know, summer. I don't know what Trying to do a, a home workout. And mm-hmm. it's finally, knock on wood, um, oh no, I don't have wood. I do. Oh my God, you're actually leaving the <laughs> I knocked on. I knocked on <laughs> the, the frame. floor, my, my wood floor. <laughs> All right, it would have been perfect if you threw your back out in that motion. Uh, it probably would have. <laughs> but yeah, I entered my back and it's like finally feeling better. And I haven't done any like lower body like exercises. Mm-hmm. Um. And I finally did this week, and my legs and ass are on fire right now. So (laughs) if I sound a little more strained than usual, just Mm -hmm. know it's because when I sit on the toilet, it literally hurts. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where my body is at. Everything hurts, and I'm dying. How about you? Yay! Oh, you know what, Matt? I have been in therapy uh, consistently for the past six years, which uh-huh. I realized going on seven years, and I am finally seeing a psychiatrist. What? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm woo! <laughs> so I'm very excited, and I thought I'd share that with everyone because mm-hmm. you know it's good to hear about people's journeys. Sure, let's go with that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm super like even just the act of reaching out to this psychiatrist who my therapist referred me to made me feel better. Uh, I'm very I'm very excited to meet her. That's where I'm at, baby. And then maybe I will call you sobbing less. (laughs) (laughs) I love it every time. (laughs) I will say, I mean, I I. I was always confused going into, um, uh, like, what is the difference between psychologist, a therapist, a psychiatrist? Um, right. A psychiatrist is someone who can prescribe you stuff. And who can diagnose you. Right. Like, my right. therapist can hear me and be like, that bitch is crazy. <laughs> but a psychiatrist can be like, yes, bitch, you are crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, scientifically. And here's a treatment plan. Exactly. <laughs> And that's what I'm looking for. I will say, as much as I joke, I went back on this one medication that I was not taking for a little while. And that little boost has made all the difference. It's like the smallest dose. um, But it's literally, it's like dopamine in the morning. Like, that's the point of it. Yeah. I have a little bit more energy before I take my naps. It's great. (laughs) That's what we're all looking for. (laughs) So anyway, on that note, it wouldn't be unhappy hour unless we talked about our mental illnesses. (laughs) I know. I feel like through the pandemic, we've really leaned into the unhappy part of our title. And you know what? It was it was fate. Anyway, let's get into today's fucking episode. We're going to kick things off as always with Worst Things First, where I chat about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into all the stupid little tasks that I have to do each and every day. Just these small moments that are adding up to one big bitch sesh. I can't take it doing all these stupid little things. And finally, we have got Lovey Ajayi Jones on the pod. Lovey, she's a TED Talk alum. She hosts the podcast Professional Troublemaker and Jesus and Jolliffe with Yvonne Orji, who plays Molly in Insecure. Uh, We get into kombucha, the coveted Ivy Park boxes. Yeah, she got one. Okay, this is the first guest we've ever had that was the recipient of a, a coveted Beyonce box. 
and we talk about so much more. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, horse things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. A woman in Edinburgh, which I always hate seeing written because there's just extra syllables that they add into the this, <laughs> this town in Scotland. It's just begging you to say it wrong. It's just begging me to say Edinburgh, but no, it's <laughs> Edinburgh. Um, anyway, this woman got into a street brawl with a man. Good. Bit off a piece of his tongue, <gasps> and then a seagull swooped down and ate it. Seagull on a tire. Seagull he heard on her a prayer. Tire, eating a tongue. Yeah. <laughs> we will never not reference Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah. Um, For wow. Everyone who I has feel not like... paid twenty dollars twice to see Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> Um, there's a beautiful song about seagulls uh, sung by Jamie Dornan, the hottest man It's available alive. on Spotify. So, right. It is available on Spotify. Everyone should go listen to it. And this story will be even greater. Um, highly suggest getting stoned beforehand. Anyway, so this happened. Uh, this is from Edinburgh News. Uh, a prosecutor said that this man and woman were strangers. They didn't know one another. But an argument developed between them as they passed each other on the sidewalk this happened mm. last August 1st, 2019. Uh, why is it in the news now? I think it's in the news because they're litigating it right now. I think it's in court. So it's, oh, sure. um, you know, re come up. Yes, I know everybody's <laughs> like, oh my God, Matt, that was the day before your birthday. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> noticing. Um, the prosecutor said that the woman tried to walk away, but the man continued to be aggressive towards her and approached her with a clenched fist. Oh, no. Classic man. But the prosecutor said, and I had read this story like three times. Still, I'm unclear on who the prosecutor is prosecuting. I don't know <laughs> who the defendant is and who the, the prosecution is. Somewhat, uh, also, it's confusing because the woman's name is Ryan and the man's mm. name is Mackenzie. No, <laughs> I love this. Every part <laughs> of it their is last good. Name, so I was like very confused. Miss Ryan somewhat oddly responded to that by pushing him on the body and kissing him. Mm. She kissed him on the lips. And during the course of that, she bit through his tongue, which caused a piece of his tongue to be removed. Mr. Mackenzie walked off, spat a part of his tongue out, at which point the piece of muscle was Don't picked up. Don't call the tongue a muscle. No, never called the tongue a muscle. Uh, a, a piece of it was picked up by a large seagull that made off with the piece of tongue. This seagull got a beautiful delicacy, like basically restaurant quality. Like I hope that he takes it over to Remy and Remy cooks up something delicious with it. Um, that is that's fresh great. meat, okay? Yeah. You're getting it straight from the bone. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is not really the bone. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, again, I don't like thinking about a tongue as a muscle. No, I mean, I have talked about this before on the podcast, but uh, when there's ice on the ground, I do keep the, my tongue at the back of my throat right. <laughs> when I'm walking because I'm terrified of biting my own tongue off. The prosecutor told the court that the chunk of tongue was approximately two centimeters by three centimeters, which could be anything. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know that an inch is about my thumb tip, and that's all I've got for measurement. Yeah. Uh, oh, I every time I like uh, read something that's like, measure this out to like two inches, I'm like, okay, well, guess what? I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I have no idea what that is. <laughs> you have to give it to me in like snicker bar lengths yes <laughs> roll it out to two snicker bars by one snicker bar then i'll understand. fuck the metric system we need the nabisco system is snickers nabisco is, that, that, that's the matrix system get it <laughs> boom this has been <laughs> language with matt the, mo <laughs> the woman has pleaded guilty to assaulting the man by pushing him on the body kissing him and biting off a piece of his tongue um so i guess the woman is the is the defense Yes, yes. The woman is the defense. Correct. We're classic system where the woman is defending herself and she just so happens to bite off someone's tongue and feed it to a seagull who came swooping by and now she's on the defense. Sick. That's a fucked up patriarchal system. 
Um, one other thing that I want to point out, but I, I do love that Miss Ryan was just like, oh, a man is about to hurt me. Let me use my sexuality as a weapon. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Use <laughs> Disarm him have. with your body <laughs> and then bite off his tongue. <laughs> this is Rosamund Pike will play her in the inevitable movie. Oh, yes. I also feel like we, we haven't even really done what is necessary with the story, which is. Shiro, Shiro, Shiro. Shiro. There are two Shiro's in this story. The woman who bit the tongue and the seagull. <laughs> and the prosecutor, frankly. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just, I'm assuming it's a woman because sure. girl boss. <laughs> Next, federal agents in Cincinnati intercepted a shipment of 44 pounds of cornflakes. We got cornflakes, famously very lightweight. Yeah. So 44 pounds, a lot of cornflakes. They have a yeah. street value of up to $2.8 million. Wait, that's insane. Yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. You go, what makes these cornflakes so delicious and expensive and worthy of interception by federal agents? Well, turns out, instead of being coated with sugar, they were coated with some good old quality cocaine. Ooh. I love this. I love the idea of just, you know, the inventiveness of transporting yeah. cocaine. What I don't understand, what I don't understand is like, what is the end game here? Because, okay, say you get your cocaine coated cornflakes. That's a tongue twister. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> cocaine coated cornflakes. Cornflakes, cocaine coated cornflakes. Ooh, that is tricky. <laughs> say you get them to where you want them. How are you getting the cocaine? You, everyone's got to snort some some cornflakes? No, I don't think... I, I think that in the same way that the cannabis industry is, you know, really leaning into edibles, doing edibles of all mm, types, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the cocaine industry is like, how do we disrupt breakfast, famously a very uh, lucrative form of meal? Right. Uh, and they were like, you know what? What if instead of coffee, you just got your pep in the morning from cocaine-coated cornflakes. Exactly. I'll be honest. I mean, I do think that cornflakes, of all of the cereals, probably requires the biggest boost. Maybe yes. Cheerios. Because, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, basically every other cereal, Fruit Loops, Frosted Flakes, I mean, they're all covered in cocaine, essentially. Right. Cornflakes, yes, though, they cocaine. really need that boost. Mm -hmm. So I suppose this is a wise pairing. We're, yeah, cornflakes were one of the, the the cereals invented to stop masturbation, right? Probably, sure. <laughs> For everyone who doesn't follow the history of masturbation like I do, the person who invented like cornflakes was like, there's way too much masturbation happening in society, and I think it's because breakfast cereals are too exciting. He thought <laughs> that like sugary breakfast cereals were making kids horny and masturbate, uh, and so um. He invented, I'm just assuming it's a he, invented bland cereal to be like, eat this and you won't have the urge to go violate your body. <laughs> well, guess what? You fucked up because I'll, I'll eat a bowl of Wheaties and go to town on myself. So I hope you're happy. <laughs> just wait till you try the cocaine cornflakes <laughs> style. You're going to be going to town I'll for rip hours. I'll my dick off with some <laughs> cocaine laced cornflakes. Um, so yeah, uh, a narc dog detected uh, a smell coming from an incoming freight shipment from Peru that had these cornflakes. And then officers opened the box to take a closer look. They saw the cereal that contained this white powder. Uh, and the flakes looked like they were coated with a grayish substance. I mean, come on, guys. At least make it look like cornflakes. <laughs> officers tested the flakes and found they contained cocaine. Um, tested I also love it with their nose. <laughs> yeah, that's how they test it. I also love that this happened in Cincinnati. <laughs> this is where it was intercepted. I just love that they're they're getting in on the drug trade. It's like let's not give the border states all of the fun. We're getting mm -hmm. into it. Middle America can participate in this too. So yeah. good for them. Good for them. And finally, a train in one of Britain's busiest stations was held up for more than two hours because a cat was sitting on top of it, refusing <laughs> to move. Yes. Shiro, Shiro. <laughs> move over Skimbleshanks. There's a new <laughs> railway cat in town. 
Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> the question is, do I want this cat to fuck me in the same way that I want Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, to fuck me? Undecided. That's a hard choice. Undecided. Yeah. With his little tight red red overalls that he wears mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. the little dances that he does on the railways. <laughs> Anyway, so this particular train, which can reach speeds up to 125 miles per hour, was unable to get moving on its scheduled journey to Manchester um, because they didn't want to hurt the cat and it just refused to get down. I don't know why they didn't just like poke it with a stick or something. Right. (laughs) They just waited two hours for it to like make a move on its own. (laughs) Cat getting stuck in a tree. Is that not a thing over there? Yeah, that call like you the just, fire you department. Just call the fire department. Like that's their main job. Yeah, I don't think they have like ladders there. Oh, because it gets very sense. confusing when they're like, "Oh, is it a lift? Is it a ladder? We don't know." It's mm-hmm. oh, it's an elevator. All of a sudden, yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> that's what happens when you fuck with language. <laughs> um, so the train was taken out of service and replaced with another train. So they they were like, "Everybody's got to get off this train and take another one because this cat won't move." <laughs> what? Why can't you move the cat? <laughs> Is it a fucking lion? I don't think I questioned it as much as I did until just now. Like, yeah, why didn't they just... You can blow pretty hard. Just like... <laughs> yeah, shoo it away. Throw a tiny pebble at it. For two hours, they were like, I guess we just have to shut down, <laughs> shut down this whole train station. I would be pissed if i were on that train and i was asked to get up because a cat wouldn't get up i guess their concern was like uh the cat was perched on top of the train and was dangerously close to the twenty-five thousand volt overhead lines that power the trains mm. so they have their third rail like up above up above but cool, uh, there's cool. a picture that accompanied this story and video and stuff that you can look up and it's not like right there like there's space I'm just saying, I think we could have done better as a society in pushing this cat off the train. And, (laughs) you know, consequences, whatever. There are the consequences. Eventually, he was seen swaggering off. Um, (laughs) It remains unknown how the cat reached the top of the train. Uh, One uh, station manager said, We often have to deal with birds inside the station. But in all my time here... In Australian. You went Australian. (laughs) Uh, this is the first train surfing cat. Mm. Um, so yeah, you never know. It's going to disrupt your, your morning commute. And this time it's a bunch of adult humans saying, we don't know how to deal with a cat. (laughs) And that's it for this week's worst things first. If you want to hear and see even more stories that were brutally cut from this week's episode, you can head to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Matt uh, for that and so much more. Next, we're diving deep into how changing my humidifier every day is just one of the many burdens that I bear. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. This week marks one year since coronavirus was officially declared a pandemic. Yay! Ooh, happy birthday! Uh, yeah, which means congratulations to everybody listening. We made it. You survived. You've held it together. You've gotten up another day. Uh, you may be a shell of your former self, but listen, you're here. <laughs> Every time you get out of bed, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Okay? That being said, I've had 12 whole months of doing the same meaningless shit over and over every single day because my therapist says to create a routine. Yeah, air quotes heavily implied. Well, guess what? I'm sick of doing the same stupid little shit. So this week, I wanted to dive deep into all the silly little tasks that I'm sick of, okay? Because guess what? Our stupid little brains require a little something called variety, or they go insane. And here I am, varietyless, losing my goddamn mind. So let's get into it. First, I am sick of refilling 
my silly little Brita filter and waiting for it to jizz out my silly little filtered water. You just got the Brita filter. <laughs> yeah. Did I just admit that I got a Brita and I was enjoying the, the icy smooth taste of, of a chilled filtered water straight from the fridge? Yeah. But have I now grown absolutely disgusted by this process? Just filling up its face every two hours, waiting for it to kind of drip, drip, drip into the butt so that I can pour it out? Also, yes. This is what baby birds must feel like. That's what I think. Mm, You're just kind mm. of watching their moms digest their food right in front of them (laughs) so they can get the leftover spit into their mouths. That's what I feel like waiting for my Brita to digest my water. It's just like every time I have to fill it up, I'm like, okay, I get it. This is boring now. Also, why does it take so long for it to go down? Yeah. I also don't understand. Let me design the Brita filter, okay? Why (laughs) is the bottom half so much bigger than the top half? Make them equal so that you fill up the top and then it fills up the bottom equally. But no, the top is like half as big as the bottom. I'm telling you, I'm going to blow something up. Next, I am sick of shaving my silly little face hairs every day. (laughs) Did I ask for facial hair? No, I didn't ask for any of this body. Facial hair, it's the weeds of the face, okay? And some some people have like clovers, you know, where it's like good looking weeds and they they can just let it grow Mm. and it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. it looks amazing and I want to stick my tongue in it. But some of us have those like spiky looking weeds that kind of hurt when you touch them (laughs) and every day I have to go in and hack away at them with my weed whacker or things will get out of control and then nobody with a clover covered face will want to look at me while I don't fully shave my face I do have to pluck thick hairs that pop up in random places Uh and uh I am tired of that it is just like like enough You were here before. I took you out. Why are you back again? I did not invite you back. Take the hint. You're not wanted here. I'll let you know. (laughs) Like you'll be here. You'll hear from me if you hear from me. (laughs) There needs to be a switch that I can flick that will stop that growth on my face Mm. or wherever else I want to stop it. It should go without saying that the rest of my body is horrifically (laughs) undergroomed. If you can't see it in in a Zoom then it's not getting trimmed right now. (laughs) I'm saying that because you asked. (laughs) Next. Similarly, I'm sick of showering my silly little body. It just feels like I'm bringing a car into the car wash, even though it hasn't been anywhere. My body is like a car that was left out in the rain. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, it's not dirty mm -hmm. exactly, because technically it hasn't done anything, but existed. But it's still got that like thin layer of grime you have to oh, wash yeah, it's just off. Collecting. Or else it'll get all rusty mm-hmm. and mildewy and then a, a cat will start living inside of it. <laughs> That's what I feel like every day. I'm just taking my pointless, stupid little shower so my body is clean enough to stop a cat from living inside of it. That's where I'm at. And I know what you're thinking, Matt, maybe that medicine isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But I'm just sick of doing the same little tasks every day. I'm sick of going for my silly little walks. At the beginning (laughs) of all this, I was going on like an hour long walk every single day. I, Mm -hmm. I would get in my silly little steps and move my silly little legs. And now I can barely be bothered to walk between the the couch and the kitchen, (laughs) which are in the same room, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also sick of cooking my silly little meals. The fact that I have to feed myself every day anyway, food doesn't just like show up pre-cooked for free. It continues to be an insult to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just, I cannot continue making the same three things every single day. I know how to make oatmeal. I know how to make eggs. I know how to make some very rubbery chicken breasts because I'm constantly afraid I'm going to undercook chicken and then accidentally poison myself. So before you know it, I'm... How often does that actually happen? Never. I'm so afraid of chicken. I'm so afraid of it. (laughs) There are other meats. I'm afraid of all meat. Okay, there are non-meat things you can eat. Like what? Name one non-meat thing. Tofu. Never heard of it. No. You just listed the two most disgusting things that I will (laughs) never put in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, are you sure? Can I look up new recipes? Uh, try making new things? Of course I could. <laughs> but every day it's just, oh, oh, let me throw these silly little ingredients into a pan and hope it works out okay. No! 
I want to be in a restaurant where someone in Crocs is uh. in a kitchen over a stove using ingredients I've never even heard of to make me a meal while I sip on an $18 cocktail. Someday soon. We're going to be doing that again someday soon. Also, it really surprises me that I'm not a Crocs girl. I feel like I'm I'm just one step away from being a Crocs girl. I mean, they have come around to being like fashionable now. Sure. Because there was a, w- a while where it was like, if you wear Crocs, you're dead to everybody. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, it's cool because Gen Zers are wearing it. Mm. Very good for your back, apparently, especially when you're standing for a long time. Um, also, I'm sick of rewashing the same three goddamn dishes over and over and over dishes were not built for this okay they need time to rest and relax between washes they're counting on me to go to restaurants have a little fun without them you know absence makes the heart grow fonder you have to get separation from your dishes before you come back to them yes but no every day i have to violate the same plate bowl and cup and then scrub their disgusting little bodies and repeat the whole perverted dance the next day. It's sick. Also, I feel like my dishes are getting chipped more because I'm just using them more. Yeah, same. And like, that is not okay. No. It's not okay for them. It's not okay for me. I also don't understand how dishes get chipped because like, I never witness it. Like, I never like, where do the little chip pieces go? It's inside of you now. It's a piece of you. (laughs) Next. I'm sick of trying to keep a silly little journal. Uh, Listen, I've read the research, okay? I've heard all the pro-journal messaging. Oh, it's good for your brain to dump out all your thoughts. It's like a neti pot. You just kind of flush your brain first thing in the morning, and then everything else will feel so much clearer. Well, guess what? My brain is like a gas station toilet. You can flush all you want. Some of that gunk is going to stay there, okay? (laughs) It's going to get stuck to the sides of the bowl, no matter how hard the water jets are. So don't even bother. Here's a fun thing that I like to do, which is I like to journal um, and write those things down and then spend the next two hours just feeling like shit because I know that I wrote the (laughs) things down and I'm judging myself for it. It's a super healthy habit, I I think, is is the term. It is impossible for me to keep a journal without sounding like a teenage girl. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, oh, we as a society have sort of like ascribed keeping a diary to teenage girls. I mean, like the content that I care about (laughs) is what a high school girl cares about. (laughs) I don't really know like what I'm supposed to write right now. Like I woke up, did nothing and went back to sleep. Also, it's like it's 2021. It's called hosting a podcast. Okay, I don't need a diary. I just pour out my innermost thoughts right here. (laughs) And finally... I'm sick of making my silly little bed every morning. Okay. Oh, if I, if I wrap these sheets up all nice, it's going to make me feel all ready for the day. Oh, oh, it's going to stop me from getting back into it. The second I have breakfast, grow up, grow up. (laughs) As someone who has thrown away half a loaf of banana bread and then come back an hour later and dug it off the garbage can and unwrapped it and ate it anyway. (laughs) Nothing can stop me from doing what I'm going to do. Okay. Making my bed is not going to stop me from getting back into it. The second I feel a little bit tired, especially because when you make it, it only makes you want to go back into it even more because you're like, Oh, look at how amazing that is. I just want to snuggle right in. Yeah. I'm just making it more enticing. You know what else? You know what else I'm sick of? What? The fact that all of these things help. (laughs) All of these stupid little tasks really help. And the fact that we have to like fight to do it is so stupid. No, I mean, that's the thing. Genuinely, it's like, yes, creating a routine is supposed to be helpful right now. And there's so much uncertainty still about like what next week is going to bring. But also at this point, the routine has grown so tiresome. Yeah, <laughs> that it's just exhausting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the secret um, that I need to remind myself to employ is try to create as much variety in the routine as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, jerk off with your left hand instead. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> just try to mix things up okay put a little pinch of you know garlic powder in your oatmeal make it exciting oh. <laughs> <laughs> thrilling uh yeah so i saw someone tweet about like the idea of you underestimate all of the like tiny interactions and tiny moments in your day even the tiny like frustrations of um, like missing one subway train and getting on, having to wait for the next one or like running into someone on the street, like all of those things that oh my God, you, doing squats and having someone cat call you that happened to me yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, I forgot, I forgot what this is like. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh my God, thank my you so much. To, I be, know. to be cat called in public. <laughs> all I want is to be objectified purely for my body. Um, but yeah, we'll get back to, um, Hating the the randomness of everyday life. In the right, meantime, right. I'm gonna hate my routine. <laughs> and on that note, that is it for this week's deep dive. Next, we got Olivia Jai Jones on the pod right after this commercial break. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. My guest complainer today is Olivia Jai Jones, shoe connoisseur, queen of public speaking, host of multiple podcasts, TED Talk <laughs> alum, self-professed professional troublemaker, with a new book coming out to prove it. Welcome, lovey. Matt, thank you for having me. This is the right place for the professional troublemaker to be. I have never been more in the mood. Today of all day, I'm like, <laughs> I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> So you are the perfect guest today. So we always start by asking, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Really and truly, kombucha. I hate it. Wow. I am with you on that one for sure. I don't understand. Like, I don't want my juice to have stuff growing in it. Like, it's just like no. tea with extra biology added into it that we're no nobody asked for. It tastes like bad beer and disappointment. Yeah. Like... I don't want it. I've tried all these different flavors. People are like, have you tried this flavor? It's the good one. And I'm like, okay, let me try this good one. This still tastes like trash. I'm good. I don't, I just don't like thinking about my gut health. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's just something like, let it do what it does. I don't have to, I shouldn't have to worry about it. It should be self-cleaning. I saw someone mention something about like the flora and fauna of your stomach. And I was like, no, I don't want to no. think about <laughs> the animals and plants that are growing inside of me. <laughs> I even had a kombucha's company. They sent me like 12 flavors. Yeah. They were like tested out. And it was Christmas 2019. So I had my friends who came over for Christmas. I said, guys, we are all going to have to do a kombucha taste test. Here, take shots of each flavor. Now rank them from not so bad to why does this exist? I want to fight somebody. <laughs> and everybody was like, the best compliment people could give the kombucha was, well, this one is not as terrible as the one before it. Yeah. Nobody was like, this is good. Everybody was just like, it's not 
horrific. Yeah, you're on you're on the like terrible end of the spectrum. It doesn't go to good. It just goes no. from from bad to worse. Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah. I don't want to complain about like getting free stuff. You know, I don't want to be that guy. But I right. am on some of those mailing lists where they send you things. And I'm just like, I don't need 50 bottles of this product. I mean, like, you know, I'm happy to test something out, you know, enjoy it. But sometimes these brands will send you seven cases of kombucha. And it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with all this kombucha? I do a kombucha giveaway. Anybody just come have it. Just pick it up from my house. Here you go, friend. Here you go, other friends. Speaking of uh, boxes sent and received. We got you booked before you got the uh, lauded, the legendary Beyonce Ivy Park box. Yes, Icy Park. I sure did. How, I mean, what, walk me through the like, <laughs> what went through your head when you got this box? <laughs> First of all, when I got the box, I literally was just like, oh my god yeah. and then i sat on the floor and hugged the box it's like <laughs> i sprawled across it and then here's the thing i, I hugged the box i posted it on social media because i was like i have arrived everybody just so you know Absolutely. and everybody's like so we gotta see this unboxing what's in it and i was like i'm so excited i don't want to open the box and i did not open the box for four days because i was just i would i left it in my living room and i would just walk by it just to be like I got the box. I get it though. I mean, like once you open it, the moment of anticipation is gone. Like it, it's that su suspensefulness that yes. you kind of have to ride a little bit. Yes. And then I finally opened it and I was like, oh my God. So I did like a photo shoot. Right. Obviously you have to. Obviously I had to. It was like obligation. I must do a photo shoot. So I did a photo shoot and I dropped the pictures on social. And people were like, oh, you went to Icy Park. I did. Okay. I did. You know, people have to be careful how they talk to me nowadays because <laughs> now I will just reply with, you're talking to me like this, but Beyonce sent me a box. <laughs> right. Right. You got to watch what you say around the recipient of a Beyonce box. Correct. Yeah. Things have changed. Absolutely. That's why I said, I mean, we 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 booked you before that because now it's like, you know, there's this added layer of fame and esteem to your name. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Things have levels have changed, you know. Yeah. I was like, Mama, I made it. This is the this is the the point that I know I have made it. Well, you have done so much more. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you too. So you you start your podcast by asking your guests what uh, they wanted to be when they grew up, and I wanted to turn the tables. So when you were four or five, what was the thing that you were anticipating you would be when you grew up? I was the nerdy four or five year old who actually enjoyed school and homework mm -hmm. and I was smart. And so people were like, you should be a doctor. And I was like, yeah, I want to help people. I'm going to be a doctor. So I really thought at five that I was going to be a doctor, a pediatrician, I believe <laughs> is what I was going to choose. I, I love homework, too. Um, preschool homework. It's when a homework got a little more difficult that I was like, all right, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> I kept loving homework. I actually was the kid who was like, oh, I came home from school. The first thing I'm doing, I'm sitting down and doing my homework before I do anything else. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be this doctor and I'm going to save people and help the world. And that didn't happen. That's okay. It just, it, in a different way, you know? Yeah. I'll be honest, I was the same exact way, actually. I was because I feel like a doctor is that one thing that everybody who is like, if you're a kind of a nerd, that is the thing that everyone is like, oh, you're going to be a doctor. It's like, that's the option. Yes. And so I just kind of logically assumed, OK, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. That's what it's going to be. And then I realized I don't want to look at anybody's anything. Like, I don't want to see yeah. like a wound. I don't want to have to. It's not just kind of, you know, putting a Band-Aid on something. You're going to have to look at some gross shit. And I don't like hospitals. No. Like, hospitals make me nervous. Yeah. Save that for the people who can put up with that stuff. I would be the worst doctor in the history of life. Like, <laughs> listen, like what, what ended my doctor dream was when I got a D in chemistry in college. Mm -hmm. You know, chemistry is where dreams go to die often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really they really talk it up. It's like, you know, it's fun. There's there's tubes, there's smoke, there's bubbles. It's not, you know, 
Chemistry no, is no. not, it's, it, the class is not just putting a bath bomb in some water. <laughs> if that was it, I'd be great. Uh, yeah. But you got to do like all these complicated formulas. And when I got that D, I was like, yeah, that D is for the dream is dead. Kill it. <laughs> it's done. You don't like hospitals. You don't like blood. You really don't want to be a doctor. Only reason you thought you wanted was because everybody thought you should be. So I killed the dream. Praise God. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I remember telling my high school counselor that my dream career was to be Sanjay Gupta, uh, <laughs> where it's like, you're not really a do- like you're a doctor, but like also you're on TV and like you get to be next to Anderson Cooper. And like, really, you're just kind of you're you're a journalist, but in it wearing a doctor's uniform. <laughs> so uh, also didn't work out for me. So we're in the same boat there. <laughs> Oh, my God. But you know what? It's for the best, though. We we would have been horrific doctors. It's true. Yeah. I, I, I would have killed so many people. By so now. many people. Public service. <laughs> but I am not a doctor. Same. So that's where we're at. Anyway, <laughs> how has uh, the, besides, you know, the, the high of getting a Beyonce box, how has the, the last year been for you? How how has it, things been holding up? You want to talk about complaining. Let's complain about the fact that the world shut down in March. Uh-huh. And I had a book manuscript due in May. (laughs) Hard enough in normal times. Right. I saw the contract to be productive during the pandemic. Like what? And for me, like I was writing a book about fighting fear, about being a professional troublemaker, about being bold. Mm -hmm. And the world shuts down because we have a virus we've never seen before. Right. So while everybody was like, you know, I'm just going to take these self-care days and lay on my couch. I was like, oh, God, I'm under contract. Oh, God. (laughs) I have to actually provide words and be productive. But what's interesting is I actually felt convicted to write because I'm like, I wish my book was ready already because I need to read it right now. Yeah. The world is scary. I want the thing that's going to tell me, you know, you got this, you know, things are scary, but you still got to move forward. So I wrote, I actually made my deadline and wrote my second book, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. And I've been on the book journey since. So I basically spend... I've spent all of quarantine working on my book and and pushing through the process. And so I haven't had the privilege of being bored. (laughs) That's a good thing. I, as someone who has had the privilege of being bored, but also being in the prison of being bored, I Mm. am, yeah, losing it. Wait, you haven't been watching, have you been watching TV? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but but now it's just like eyes glazed over, you know, mouth hanging open, that kind of watching too. Like my brain is holding nothing in. It's all Mm. just kind of neti potting out of my brain. That actually makes sense though, because like the days run into each other. Mm -hmm. At this point, I don't know what is a Monday, what's a Wednesday, what's a Friday. Weekends are no longer weekends. No. Every no time doesn't make any more sense. Am I always I'm always like, what did I do yesterday? <laughs> exactly. Was was that yesterday? Was that was three that weeks yesterday? ago? Yeah, yeah. There's no way of knowing. I do wonder if having a project, having something like that, especially one that, you know, deadline is coming, you're, you're under contract, if that is better to have uh, to have something to kind of like focus your energy on. I mean, clearly you made it happen. Right, exactly, right? I made it happen. But I think there were some days where I'm like, I wish I could be bored, right? right? Where for me, I felt the I felt the pressure and feel the pressure of producing. Like there'll be weeks where I don't turn on my TV because I just don't have time because I'm tied to Zoom meetings all day. And yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to a week of boredom or something like that. Yeah, you've you've certainly earned it. <laughs> all, all I want is for you to be bored. That's all I hope for you. <laughs> but there are times I have taken some weekends where I've like done nothing but binge watch where I've been like, you know what, I will get back to my responsibilities on Monday. But this week, I'm just going to sit here and watch Umbrella Academy in the same three day <laughs> span. Right. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, what's on your what's on your binge watching list right now? Because you used to do recaps of like, you know, Scandal, right? Yep. Game of Thrones. So I'm still pissed at Game of Thrones. Like, I'm still pissed. <laughs> Let's talk about that shit. Let's talk Man, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Dave and Dave, D&D, the producers and showrunners of Game of Thrones. I'm like, why have we not picketed your house? Like, <laughs> I'm so Man, it's been two years and I would never forgive them still. It feels like it was it, it was more recent than that. Uh, it, it, maybe because the wound is still like <laughs> healing. 
<laughs> it's still fresh. But yeah, what a mess. I'm pissed because I'm like, yo, why would you have R plus L equals J not matter at the end of the whole thing? Make it make sense to me. I, just, I don't Did understand Did you it. read the Game of Thrones books too? No. Even those, I, I started rereading them before the last season. And towards the end of that, um, honestly, I would say don't, don't do it because he's never going to finish those books anyway. <laughs> and you're just, you're just wasting your time. <laughs> but also it's like towards the end, I'm like, why am I investing all this energy? And there's too much going on. I don't see how they're going to wrap this up. It's just, yeah, it's a mess. This is, this is me. But that's also my energy, which is tap out right away. Tap out. <laughs> Look, I literally was like, how do you spend seven brilliant seasons, like all this nuance and intricacies and Mm storylines and character development? And then you go, my wife is mad at me. We need to wrap this up really quickly. Can we do it in like three episodes? Okay, I don't care about the rest of everything we just did. Let's just be done. Right. I was like, how the hell you spend so much time? You basically created 60 movies. And in the last movie, you were like, let's just blow it up. Right, right. I, I do like that their defense was sort of, um, well, I mean, we sort of just kind of condensed everything that would have happened over a longer time. So you could just imagine what happens in between. <laughs> and it's like, that's not how TV shows work. I'm so upset at them. And the, <laughs> the crazy part, they were like, yeah, we had to wrap Game of Thrones early because they had they were on the hook to do Star Wars. And because they fucked up Game of Thrones so bad, they got fired from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's. Horrific. They they lost like two or three shows. I was just like, see, this this is a lesson. Right. There's a business and a personal lesson in the fail of the last season of Game of Thrones. Well, wasn't the other show also the weird like, or if the Confederacy, Confederacy had won? Confederacy Why? Why? Who who thinks that's the, the the timeline we need to be thinking through right now? Right. Still not over that. Yeah. I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. That you know was before the Confederacy rose up again at the beginning of twenty twenty one. We are in the dark timeline, Matt. Truly, truly. Do you watch The Good Place? I actually didn't finish it, but I, I that is on my binge. I have to start from the beginning and go. We are in the bad place. We we are in the bad place. I was like, we did the rapture happen and we're the ones who get left behind? Is that what happened? Like, how have you been staying sane? Am I staying sane? (laughs) Therapy is important. That is strong endorse. Strong endorse because my goodness. And I've literally poured myself into my work, which is a trauma response, according to my therapist. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah. Are any of us truly sane right now? I hope not. Honestly, I I I fear anybody who is doing uh who's doing well. You know? <laughs> <laughs> something is you're not something is off. Something is off. Like how are you staying hydrated, exercising, being a healthy communicator, sleeping well during this time? You're a maniac. Yeah. You know, when you talked about uh having to to write uh under contract for those first few months. Cause I remember back last March where, you know, people were like, now it's the perfect time. Spend the next couple of months, work on that thing that you've been trying to put off. And it was like, no, <laughs> like <laughs> the world is ending. There's no way I'm going to focus on anything. Now we're a year into it and uh, it feels the same. And yet everyone sort of expects you to be used to it by now and kind of getting on with it. It's tough, man. Even people who have never needed or wanted to go to a therapist should go now because yeah. this this moment that we living in is some traumatic stuff. Like we can't leave our house. We can't see our friends. A lot of times we can't see our family members. All of our actual coping mechanisms of days past is gone. It's officially mm-hmm. winter. So you can't even go running outside or like just stand outside and get in the sun. I right. looked in the mirror the other day and I was like, is my face gray? <laughs> Am I okay? That's because I haven't gotten sunlight. Right. I'm usually somewhere warm at least once a month in the winter mm-hmm. months. And I'm just like, now I'm in Chicago, just dealing with snowstorms and turning gray. Yeah. I mean, if people are just listening, I mean, I'm wearing a white shirt and my face is literally the same color as my <laughs> shirt. <laughs> my skin is basically transparent. So <laughs> I just want sunlight. Anyway, let's talk about your book. It's out on March 2nd. March 2nd. Okay. So it will be out by the time people hear this. Yes. Um, it accompanies your, your podcast of the same name. Yes. 
The book is called Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. And what, uh, this is the, you know, the basic question, what is a professional troublemaker? <laughs> I think professional troublemakers are truth tellers. Mm -hmm. The people who are like, I'm going to disrupt what's happening when if it's if it's not okay. They are the people asking questions in the meeting like, is that campaign idea really good? They're the ones who are at the dinner table when the uncle says something inappropriate and go, uncle, that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the friends who go, should you be dating him because <laughs> he is utter trash and dumpster fire? Uh -huh. I think professional troublemakers are the people that we need in our lives. They're the no people in our lives. Yeah. People want people to be like, yes, do that thing. They're the ones who are like, no, rethink that thing and then do it where it makes sense. Right. Sometimes people call them shit starters, but they're not really shit starters because they're not just throwing bombs in the room. They're not just being haters or trolls. They actually have an intention of doing it for good, mm -hmm. you know, and they're hopefully being thoughtful as they're doing it. Yeah, that is the big the big piece of it is, you know, because there are a lot of people, uh, the, the haters, the bomb throwers, like you said, who would like to think of themselves as truth tellers, but it's like, nah, you're just being shady. That part. <laughs> you're just trying to start shit. Right. But, you know, the, the friend who's looking out for you, who's like, we got to have a hard conversation. They're not just doing it because they want to piss you off. They're not just doing it because they want you to feel bad. They feel like it's necessary. And I think professional troublemakers are the people you need because everybody else around you, if they're afraid of telling you the truth, you're going to mess up in ways that you might not even see coming. And if you have people around you like that, they'll look out for you. They'll make sure you are showing up in the best way possible. And we need them in our lives. Right. Have you kind of always felt like that was who you were? Or did you have to kind of grow accustomed to saying the hard things out loud? I mean, I think it's a constant growing accustomed to it because I've always been bold and then will say my feelings, but it's it gets a harder in certain situations. Mm -hmm. I do sometimes get afraid of like, oh my God, will I make this person mad if I say that? Or will I get in trouble or trend on Twitter if I say that thing? And I think a lot of times that fear that we have around it it's because we built up like the dragon of what could happen if it goes bad. And we end up then opting out of the best case scenario when we're afraid of the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. When you're afraid of like asking for a raise from a boss and you're just like, what if they say no? Okay, so if they say no, did you die? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's that did you die? <laughs> right. So even I'm like in the moments, if I am afraid, I'm always like, all right, so what am I afraid of? All right, is it actually likely to happen? And then if it does happen, is my life destroyed? No? Okay. Then what are the what is the good that can come from it? And is it worth risking whatever that fear is? Right. This is, you know, you're just kind of recounting exact conversations I've had with my therapist, really. <laughs> it's that, okay, well, what if the worst happens? And then what? And I never like that question. <laughs> I never like it. I want to live in my fear. I want to revel in that moment of not wanting to do it. Um, but yeah, there is a certain relief in pushing through and in, in going through. I mean, as a comedian, it's like sometimes you get on stage and it fucking sucks and it like nobody laughs. And it's like that in that moment, it's the worst thing that can happen. Um, and you, you have to sort of walk away, dust it off and do it again or else you fail. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> my friend Glennon, uh, when she read my book, Glennon Doyle, her book is amazing, Untamed. Mm -hmm. She said, my book is like going to a therapy session. And I'm like, that's because I learned a lot of this stuff from therapy, like really understanding how fear, I've let fear sometimes get into the way of me doing what feels important. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a TED talk that now has like 5 million views. And Matt, I turned that TED talk twice. I turned it down because I was afraid. I was like, oh, snap. Uh, I don't think I'm ready for this. I was afraid of bombing. Yeah. And I started seeing that, you know, in the moments when I and I when I let the fear stop me from doing that thing, I lose. Mm -hmm. I was about to turn it down for a third time. And one of my friends was like, stop playing. You got this. You have the practice you need, which is the fact that you've been a speaker for all these years. Write your talk and kill it and get off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> she literally hung up on me. It was like, get off my phone and go write this talk and delete that email where you're about to tell them no for the third time. And that TED talk transformed my life and my career in so many ways. And I was like, whoa, how many times have we let fear 
make us say no to yes opportunity that could change our lives. Like we, we can all think about a moment when we've been afraid, said, no, I can't do that thing. But like, what if we actually said, yes, I can. I know I'm afraid, but I'm gonna do that thing anyway. And then see what, what happens. And that's why I was like, oh, that's what my book is gonna be about. The second book it has to be about that because we do that all the time. It's the reason why we don't say we want to, you know, that tough thing that we want to say in a room full of people. It's the reason why we're not going for the job that we want because um, mm-hmm. we're afraid. And I'm just like, you know what? We should probably take some power away from all that fear. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, everybody should go watch the TED Talk. Uh, it's up there. It's not, I mean, no shade to anybody else. It's not even a TEDx talk. There's no, this is a TED <laughs> talk. TM trademark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask uh, a quick little. So we have a, a, a couple of tweets where you express your displeasure of something. And this one I love just because this was pre pandemic and you were talking about conference calls where people don't mute themselves when they're not talking. That is what the book of Revelations was talking about as hell. <laughs> <laughs> you described this in April 2018. Psychic. Psychic. Like, (laughs) it's like I knew. I've been on Zooms with 300 people Mm -hmm. where people have not muted themselves. And I've been like, just shoot me now. (laughs) Right here. It is shocking to me that everybody (laughs) has had a year with nothing but their computer as a friend. Okay? This is like if Tom Hanks didn't know how to use Wilson after year one. (laughs) (laughs) Know the mute button. Jeez, that's it. That's all we're asking for. Get it together, everybody. How? How? It is absolutely absurd. Uh, yeah, one more. I have an irrational hate for white towels and sheets, and I only tolerate them in hotels. This is my confession. Yes, because white towels and sheets tell your business. <laughs> yeah, I've stayed at Airbnbs where they they have white towels, but then they leave a very aggressive note that's like, don't basically don't <laughs> use this towel for anything. <laughs> it's like, why why did you put it here then? Why is it here for decoration? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I avoid in my house, there's no white sheets and white towels. Now I love the idea of it, but uh yeah, it shows everything. Absolutely everything. It shows everything. I don't want to know how dingy I've been in the last day. I don't. Yeah. Only good for letting me know when I accidentally fell asleep with a piece of chocolate in my bed. Because that, you, you're going to know right away you woke up to disaster. <laughs> Tells all your business. Again, I'm just like, I don't need that type of pressure in my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, um, where can people find your work and, and you? Yes, people can go order Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual, everywhere books are sold. I also did the audiobook. Because I was like, I need people to hear my voice. Yes, as yes. I'm telling you about troublemaking in this world. Um, and then I am easy to find all over the interwebs. I am at Lovey, L-U-V-V-I-E, on all platforms. One name, like Beyonce, okay? On all platforms. So find me. I'll be around. Yeah, everybody's got to go see those those icy park pics. Yes! Look, I'm telling you, I slayed. I killed. <laughs> you did. Okay? You did. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we can take to make the world a little bit better. Barry, what are we highlighting this week? I wanted to highlight another newsletter. It's possible I've actually highlighted this newsletter in the past, but I am fine doing this again. So Mitra Jahari, who is a previous guest complainer, comedian of my dreams, love her so much. She has a newsletter called Oh God, Sorry, where (laughs) she interviews people she admires in community organizing. Most of the people she's interviewing are LA based because that's where she lives. But I find it to be like very informative and inspirational. So I wanted to highlight the latest news letter and the organization that it was about. So this latest one was about Melissa Asadera. She's the founder of Polo's Pantry and co-founder of Homey Made Meals. So both of those are mobile food pantries that focus on making food more accessible to the unhoused population of LA. 
We have more info for how to donate or volunteer with the organizations in our show notes, also a link to the newsletter itself. But one of the things I really liked about it was that they talked about their social anxieties around volunteering and like how great volunteering is, but also like you're going to like talk to a lot of new people and like be in groups of people and it can be overwhelming if you have social anxiety. Um, And it was just nice to see people talk about that aspect of volunteering because I think that's one of the things that uh that I've really wanted to do volunteer work and then that's the part of my brain that's like uh but then you're gonna be around a lot of people and you have to talk to them and stuff and it's like no the shit that you're doing is really important and you fight through those feelings and do great work and then you love the actual community building that you're doing so right I I liked it for the work that Melissa does but also for the way that they were talking about volunteering and organizing i i just found it very accessible and helpful so that is what i'm highlighting this week i love it yeah uh all right let's get into the tv we've been watching this week what you've been watching i haven't really started anything new um but i missed last week's riverdale and so i'm doing a double feature tonight and i'm very excited about that good good what about you what are you watching this week uh, this week, I wasn't watching a lot of TV because I was busy watching all 22 of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe movies. I was yes. wondering when you were going to bring this up on the pod. <laughs> well, because I, I initially tweeted that I was watching all of them and I watched Iron Man, which is the first one. And then I was like, hmm, should I do like a recap podcast? Because this is always what happens in my brain. I get this like right. big idea that I'm like, okay, we're going to do a thing, right? Watch everyone and do a full episode about it. So then I, I waited to watch the rest. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just watch all of them. Uh, there's 22 of them. Wow. I did watch every single one. It is like one huge saga. They're all connected. Um, now I'm a full Marvel stand. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I wanted to watch because I've heard such great things about WandaVision. I know. I want to watch it, but I have no knowledge. Right. And I've heard mixed things about how much you have to know about the Marvel universe to enjoy WandaVision. And I was like, I just, you know, I got time. Might as well watch all 22 movies first. Um, and I was committed because at the time of um, at the time people will hear this, this last Friday will be the season finale of WandaVision. So I was determined to finish all of them and watch all of the available episodes before the finale. Uh-huh. And um, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I will I'm have accomplished I'm so proud it. of you. <laughs> anyway, what is your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is Jake Cohen's cookbook, Jewish. Yeah. I started cooking from it when I was in New Hampshire. I exclusively cooked from it. That's what <laughs> we made for dinner every single night and also breakfast. And I loved all of the recipes. I think my two favorites were the schnitzel fingers, which are basically schnitzel, but like chicken fingers. They Mm -hmm. were so delicious. I had never really made that before. It was very easy. And then the way that he prepares his potatoes is smashed potatoes and you boil them first and then you smash them a little bit and Uh then you roast them in the oven with this like seasoned oil. And then they become like mashed potatoes a little bit from the boiling because they're super tender but then crispy on the outside from roasting in the oven and they are heaven <laughs> i am oh they're so good i'm so um, hungry right now and that i am so amazing. sorry <laughs> so yeah i i love this cookbook and i also kind of realized like one of the things that has been so refreshing about jake cohen previous guest complainer is that like he's cool like he's considered cool by people and not because he's like a self-hating or deprecating jew but because he's like very proud of being jewish and and i love it and so it's a great cookbook whether or not you are jewish and i'm excited to make even more recipes from it i know uh, me too what about you what's your non-tv chaser this week this is not an ad but i have been using calm to go to Mm -hmm. sleep they have their sleep stories one of which is Harry Styles. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, which is 40 minutes long, by the way. So if you want <laughs> Harry Styles to lull you to sleep. But I feel like I am, I probably have had more difficulty falling asleep in the last you know year. But 
just more and more I'm like, I need something stimulating while I I go to sleep. And I do like their sleep stories. I will like full blown listen to the ones for children. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand yet. At what point we like stopped having soft music and like just a simple story to fall asleep to. And that's what I like about it. It's like nothing that I have to think about in the slightest. It's just someone very softly reading a stupid story distracting me from my own thoughts <laughs> exactly so i really like max richter who's the composer who did the soundtrack to the leftovers which is how i found him because i like listening to tv soundtracks when i'm working uh-huh. and he has an album called sleep and it's just like very gentle pretty music Beautiful. so i recommend that album um amazing i mean you could also listen to this podcast before you go to sleep so if you want horrible nightmares <laughs> anyway uh well that's it for today's show thank you for listening to unhappy hour if you want more unhappy hour shit you can head right to my patreon page you'll get video of bonus worst things first stories that are cut from each episode video of extended guest complainer interviews and a bunch of other fun stuff Obviously, also head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and rate us and review us. But only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, Yinka Rickford-Anguin, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansel Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Oh, bye-bye. I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel like me. Nailed it. <laughs>